know, that song was written over 150 years ago, and it's just as true today as it was then. Jesus paid it all, all of it, every single piece of it. You need to know there is no sin too great. There is no failure too large that God's grace cannot wash away and redeem. That is the God we worship and we seek. It makes me think of that passage from Ephesians. It said, we were dead in our sins, hopeless situation. But out of his love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, raised us to life with Christ Jesus. It's by grace you've been saved. It's by grace you have been saved. So some of you, I just, I just want to encourage some of you guys, you're carrying regrets from 10 years ago. There's stuff that happened last week. There's stuff that happened last night. And you need to know God's grace is sufficient for that. His mercy is new today. He paid for that. He paid for all of it. And so you are walking in his grace. You are walking in his love and his mercy. And that is why he is so worthy of our worship. So we get to celebrate today, y'all. I got to baptize my mom today, y'all. I'm just a pop. I mean, that was a cool moment for me. And we're, the fun's just getting started, everybody. We got time to worship God. We're going to dig into his word. You guys ready? Ready to dig in a little bit? I like the energy, okay? Well, let's pray together, Lord. We thank you that you paid it all, Lord. And the only proper response is to bring back all of ourselves to you. And so right now, Lord, as we dig in your word, I just pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord, that your word would transform us from the inside out. We thank you for life change. We thank you for hope. Jesus, we thank you that we are washed by your mercy and grace. So just encourage our hearts today, God, with the amazing hope we have in Jesus. We never get tired of singing about it, Lord. You are worthy of it. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Let me hear it, everybody. Amen. You may all take a seat. Hello, everybody online. Just want to give you guys a shout out too. I know I say it often. I've been told I say this often. You picked a good day to be in church. You picked a good day to be in church, everybody. It's good, it's good to gather. Now, I had an interesting experience a couple of years ago. Nicole and I were living in Indianapolis. And I was hanging out with some of our neighbors at the time. This couple, they were probably married five, seven years, about that range. And I started talking to my husband for a moment. And we somehow got on the topic of money in our marriage. And he started explaining to me. He said, Brian, I have no idea how much money my wife makes. I, I don't know what her income is. I don't know what she's saving or spending. It's, it's none of my business. I was like, wow, that's really interesting because you guys are married. You live together. How, how do you make that work? He's like, well, I pay some of the groceries and utilities. She pays the mortgage. We kind of fudge it a bit. It sort of works out. And I actually, a question came to my mind. I said, okay, well, if you have no idea what her money situation is, I said, what if you get to 65 and you've done a good job saving and you want to go live out on the lake now? And what if she's totally broke because she didn't save any of her money? And he kind of paused for me. He's like, huh, I never thought about that. But it's her money, so it's her problem. She'll have to figure that out. Interesting response. She wasn't in the room when he said that, by the way. I don't know what she would have said to that. Now, funny enough, our other neighbors right next door to them I got talked to the wife once. We were just hanging out. And somehow this topic came up again, the financial situation. She said, Brian, I don't let my husband touch a single penny of our money because he would spend all of it if he had access to it. And so she said, I have all the accounts locked up. He doesn't know how much money we have, how much I make, any of that kind of stuff. And I hand him an envelope of cash at the beginning of every month. And once he spends it, he's done. That's his allowance for the month. Now, for the last couple of weeks, We've been in this series we're simply calling Relationship Reset. And if you're just joining us, just to kind of catch you up, the whole premise of what we're talking about is the fact that all of our relationships sometimes just get a little sideways. 
they get a little funky, and they, we just have to hit the reset button sometimes to get back to God's design and his desire so we can actually experience all of the blessings. And when I think of some of the greatest pain points I see, couples in particular, but everybody in general experiencing, it is the pain point around money and relationships. Now, some studies would say this is the biggest issue of relationships, but one study I found said that 41% of all divorces cite financial incompatibility as the primary cause of the separation. Now, if you are in a relationship right now, I bet you can remember a very good money fight you've had with a spouse. You, you, you know, you have some memories of this. I had a good one with Nicole just recently. We were hanging out with some people from the church, having a great night. And at one point in this evening, this couple brings out a homemade ice cream maker. You know, they have these things now. You can make your own ice cream. It was a wonderful experience. I was very impressed. It was delicious. I loved it. Now, after that evening, I moved on. I had a great time. What I didn't realize was my wife left that evening totally inspired. And so I come home from work one day, the following week, and there's this giant monstrosity of a contraption in our kitchen. I'm like, Nicole, what is this object that we seem to have acquired here? And she's all excited. She's like, babe, we got our own ice cream maker. Now, what do you think my question was to her? How much did this monstrosity cost us? How much are we down? Now, again, she gets even more excited. She's like, oh, oh, here's the thing, babe. Facebook Marketplace, $20. Now, I know what some of you think. You're like, oh, that's a good deal, actually. You should be pretty happy with that. No. Guys, I need you to back me up on this. Ladies, you have a bad habit. You think if the sale is good enough or you save enough money, it's basically free. And that's how Nicole's face It's basically free. No, I'm, we're down 20 bucks. So that couple in the church, you know who you are. You owe me $20, okay? <laughs> Still mad about it. Now, the whole thing about the money stuff is interesting, though. Because it makes it even more complicated. Not only do we have friction about it, but many of us, we're very uncomfortable with money management in general. You go all the way through school, you learn algebra and calculus, but then you have no idea about mortgage rates and saving for retirement and balancing a budget, and it gets super, super complicated. And I'm not even just talking to married couples right now. All of us, if you're dating or you're engaged with somebody, you got to ask some hard questions like, how much does their financial situation inform whether I should even move forward in this relationship or not? Like, how much debt is too much debt at some point? What are, like, financial red flags you'd be looking for? What if you're going into a second marriage and you've got a big nest egg of money that you had plans for, and what does that even look like to figure out how you work this together? And it's all these types of tensions that led our teaching team to decide this really needs to be something we talk about in this series because we see the pain that a lot of couples experience when it comes to their money within their relationship. And so today, guys, today's gonna be a little different. It's, I'm gonna try to get super nuts and bolts, really practical. I want to be helpful because I know this is a hard area for many people. So I just hope today, if anything, it is super helpful, especially if this is an area where you're feeling some tension. So that's what we're gonna dig into today. Now, one advantage I have with this whole topic is I get exposure to so many couples. Nicole and I, at any point in time, are almost always doing some type of premarital with a couple. We're finishing, we're starting. I've lost count, honestly, with how many couples we've worked with. And we love it. It's so much fun. And I tried thinking back on all of my premarital experiences I've had with couples. And I actually can't think of one, at least one doesn't come to mind, where the couple walked in and they had a very clear game plan for what they're going to do financially together. They're just no clue. Now, I'm not even judging that. A lot of times these are young couples. It's not something you had to deal with. You didn't have to think about it. So I get that. But... I also work with a lot of couples that have been together for a long time. And what I've noticed is many couples actually don't even have a real game plan when it comes to this. Now, there's a passage in the Bible 
that has a very good principle when it comes to this topic. I think it speaks really well to this. Amos 3.3, it says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Now, this is a rhetorical question to which the obvious answer is no. Okay, good. You're listening. All right. No, it's impossible. Now, this is my question for us in the room, particularly if you are married or in a serious relationship. Are you walking together financially? Are you going in the same direction with your money in this relationship you're in? Jesus asks a very similar question with the same kind of idea. Luke eleven seventeen. it's not a question, it's a statement. He says, a house divided against itself will fall. So I have another question for you. Is there financial division in your house right now? There are a lot of things relationships can tolerate. He snores, ladies. You can get through that, okay? Your relationship can survive that. Guys, she has a weird laugh. You can survive that too, all right? You can make it through. He watches 10 hours of football on Sunday. You want to smother him with a football? These are all things relationships can actually survive. But financial division is actually something that can make a house fall. Now, there's so much division in this in our culture right now that actually there's a movement happening where a lot of people are saying, you know what, because this is so hard and complicated, it's better just to be totally separate anyways. Even if you're married, you're better off not even having to figure out how this works. And so you'll find articles like this one up on the screen all over the internet. These are major news publications, financial outlets, and actually this is what blew my mind. Almost half of all millennial couples at least completely separate their finances. They've just found this to be a better way to go. And I was just kind of interested digging into this because I'm like, I, everybody has different perspectives and ideas and I want to figure out what they are. So I read some of these articles and there's kind of a general tone to them. So one would say, hey, it's your money, so you need to protect it at all costs. Another one, you don't want to get dragged down by their bad money habits, right? A, a lot of them, they talked about how you don't want somebody freeloading off of you if you make a lot more money. All right, is your money that you earned, you worked hard for it. And even just the, honestly, pretty good argument, you want to be well positioned in case the relationship falls apart for them not to take half of it from you. So the general theme here, a lot of these articles is, it's your money. So even if you're married to somebody and you've committed your life to them, you need to watch out for yourself. Now here's the thing. I actually think some of those arguments are pretty persuasive in a lot of contexts. I've seen a lot of marriages where I'm like, man, it gets dicey with the financial stuff, and maybe that is a better way to go. But we are given a much different vision about what it looks like to manage money in our relationships and the attitude we should have, particularly towards somebody we're married to when it comes to this topic that we have to wrestle with. So Genesis 2.24, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, I haven't been able to get through a single sermon in this series without covering this verse. I'm realizing this is the most important marriage verse in the entire Bible because it sets the whole tone for how you are supposed to view your relationship with your spouse. And I've said this in the previous weeks, if you're just joining us, this is not just talking about physical intimacy and ex exclusivity, though it includes that. We are talking about total unity, complete life integration, merging everything together, your entire lives your hopes, your dreams, your very identity. So this is God's heart for you. If you are married or plan to be married one day, that you would experience total oneness in your marriage relationship. That is what God wants for you. 
Now, what does that look like financially? How do you become one when it comes to your money in a relationship? How do you get on the same page? How do you avoid some of the drama and the chaos of this? Now, here's where I hope this message is helpful. Even if you're not married, I think this is for everybody. If you're dating, you better be thinking about some of this stuff if you're with somebody right now. You're engaged, you need to be talking about this immediately to figure some of this out. And even if you're single, we're gonna talk about some really helpful principles when it just comes to managing your money. But I am gonna kind of focus a little bit on this idea of oneness and money. So how do you become one financially when you're married? First thing you have to make sure you do is you must commit to one plan. One plan. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now, I'm willing to guess most of us in this room don't have sheep running around in our backyards. Though I know we have some hillbillies in here and you do have some animals and chickens and stuff. But we're talking about an animal culture here, or ancient culture, all right? They're shepherds, so they measure their wealth by their animals and their livestock. So basically what he's saying is you need to know the condition of your money. You need to give careful attention to your finances. And I know this sounds like really obvious stuff, but again, many couples, some of you guys are experiencing this. I ask them, hey, what is your plan right now? And the answer is, well, do we have enough money in the checking account before the next paycheck comes in? That's the strategy. Or what's your budget for vacations? And they say, when we wanna go, we go. That's the budget for the vacation. Some of you guys, if I asked you how much you spent on Starbucks, you probably don't even wanna know the number. It would scare you. Many of us, we don't know even what the plan is. And so I actually did something a little different for this message. So I thought this would be a little bit fun. I actually reached out to a handful of people in our church. And I asked them, would you be willing to share some of your financial journey with our church? And these are people who've opened up to me on some level about this. And these are some people who've been through it. I'm just going to say that. We've got people who've been married for decades in this group, people who are on second marriages, People have been married, are single, young people, old people. It really covers the whole gamut. And some of them, I just said, share whatever you want. Hard lessons, painful memories, whatever it is. And I went through a couple of these. These are some of the things they said in their responses. One couple, create a budget. Second person, you need a budget. Third couple said, make a budget. One other person, you must, what do you think they said? They said budget. Yeah, good guess. Anybody noticing a pattern here? You need to budget. When we talk about getting one plan, here's what we're talking about. Do you have a budget that both of you have agreed on and are living by? Are you and your spouse on the same page when it comes to the plan for your money, where it's coming in from and where it is going? And some of these couples actually got into more detail about even their one plan budgeting process. So one couple... And I've seen this is just an essential ingredient for one is in any financial matter. They said, one thing we do is we use the 10-10-80 principle. I don't know if you guys have heard this before. It's like a way to think largely about your budget. So they say, we take the first 10% and we bring that back to God. Now, if that's a new concept to you, this is sometimes called the tithe principle in the Bible about bringing God 10% of what he's entrusted to you and then inviting his blessing and provision. So they say, we start with that. And they say, then we take 10 for savings, investing, retirement, long-term financial planning, and then the other 80 is just for all the life stuff, the bills, the car repairs, that smoker that he wants that is way too expensive, and all that kind of stuff. Another couple, they got into the weeds with me. Again, this is just good practical stuff I want to help you guys with. So this is the wife. She said, I set our budget up and pay all of the bills as this is my strength. However, I involve my husband. We sit down once a month and I explain to him what I did in the previous month, so we're on the same page. I love this line right here. Both spouses should always know where the money is going. One plan, unity. 
oneness in the marriage, even in this area. Now, even practically speaking, even when I heard some of these people talking, almost in every couple, you have somebody who's a little better, better at the financial details and management. That is the person who should do it, all right? There ain't nothing in the Bible that's like, hey, make sure he does it because he's a man. No, if he's terrible with money, don't let him touch it, all right? It's all you ladies, all right? This ain't the man's job. Who's better with the money? In this case, it was the wife. And interesting for Nicole and I, I'm actually the financial manager in Nicole's and I's house. So it's funny, we have a very similar process. I track all the spending and then I bring it all together once a month. We sit down, we talk about it. This is where I discovered she spent $20 on an ice cream maker and blow up on her. But that's part of our process. Now, I love this line from someone in our church, what they said. I thought this was so good. They said, a budget allows you to control your money instead of the other way around. It's not restricting, but actually gives freedom. The reason why some of us are fighting so much about money with our spouses is because we don't have a plan that we are unified around. You haven't come to total agreement on what's going on with the money. And I'm sure there's many of us in here, you're really not living by a very clear budget either. I don't even want to assume that's happening. And so I would challenge you today to start taking some steps towards that. There's so many tools today to help you do this. If you're pretty good digitally with the phones and the computers and stuff, there's all these different tools online that you can integrate all your accounts with. It tracks all your spending. You can even categorize expenses and see how you're doing. So like a very popular one is Mint, if you want to look into that. You can do it on your phone, your computer, whatever. Another one, Personal Capital, is a popular option as well. And again, it brings all the finances together. Some of you guys, you're just straight up Excel file, Google Sheet, you track it all in that. That's a great tool. They have a lot of templates online. And some of you guys, you're straight up old school. You literally have like a spiral notebook and a pen and you've been doing it for 87 years. And we love you. And you can keep doing that, all right? It's however you like to do it. It works. So the biggest drama I hear though when I talk with couples about this, even if they're trying to put a budget together, is Brian, we can't agree on the spending. We're always fighting over the spending. It's always an issue because the mortgage or the rent, that's a fixed number usually. But then there's all these other expenses that come up and things we want to get and all that. And many times, I don't know if anybody's in a situation like this, you got a hardcore saver in the relationship and the crazy spender, right? So you got the one person stuffing all the money under the mattress and the other person using it as toilet paper. It just does not work. So let me encourage some people here because this is a lot of times what the marriage dynamics are. This is a couple in our church. We are so opposite when it comes to money. I love having money in savings. It gives me a sense of security. We're those people. Security people, you like saving the money. I know you're out there. And here's what she said next. He loves to spend money and always seems to find expensive hobbies. Where are my expensive hobby people at? Yes, all right, admit it, it's all good. We love you. Now, this actually isn't something Nicole and I do, but I've heard a handful of couples in our church share this, and even some people in their stories did this. They said, here's how we've come to a compromise on this. We agree on a weekly or monthly amount of money each person can spend freely. All right, without any drama, no judgment. And if you want to buy something more expensive, you either need to save up that allowance or we need to have a discussion about that larger expense. And this has been a great way for couples just to minimize the amount of drama they have around just the spending disagreements. So little stuff like that can save a lot of the fighting. The big, big other question though, that a lot of people wrestle through, and I mentioned it earlier is, do we have to combine our finances? Is it something we need to do? Is this like biblically mandated? Is it even a better idea? Or does it just kind of work to keep stuff separate? Now, let me say this to that question. If you're not married, maybe you're dating somebody, you're engaged, I would say absolutely not. If you have not committed your life to that person, if you're not in a covenant relationship, you should not covenant your money together. 
All right, that can create a lot of problems. Now, I would say this, if you are married, this is the answer. Ideally, yes. In an ideal world, and I believe God's desire, the answer is yes. The best marriages you see are totally unified, completely transparent, and share everything, even their finances. And actually, the research shows this too. Couples who integrate their finances together have a much lower divorce rate. But you've got to think about it practically, why this makes sense. If you commit to this, of coming together with one plan, your finances bring things together, it forces you to talk about this. You have to communicate and figure out where you land on some of these things. You have to align some of your values about money, some of your desires, your hopes, your dreams. It really forces you to walk together in the same direction. It's hard to become totally one with somebody if a major part of your life, like your money, is operating in a completely different way. So that's why the answer is ideally, yes. This should be what you strive for in a marriage relationship. And Nicole and I got a lot of help on our premarital process. Somebody gave us a vision for this. And so we committed ourselves. We're like, all right, we want to be one together in our marriage, in our relationship. So right after we got back from the honeymoon, one of the first things we did was we sat down, brought all the money together in the same accounts. And really the attitude was, if we're going to be one together in our marriage, we got to be one here. It's not her money and my money, all right? It's not she takes on some of the bills and then I take on some of those. No, it's our money. These are our expenses. We are building one life together. So we need one plan. Now, it's, this is so important that I spend an entire session with couples when I do premarital with them just on this. Because I want to ask them, I say, well, you make this much, they make that much. How do you feel about that, first off? Is anybody mad about that? Is that going to work out for you guys? You're bringing this much money in. You're in debt that much in this. How do you guys feel about that? How do you feel about eating that six figures of debt together when you've had none? How do you guys think about bringing your money together? Really, what is your feeling about that? Because it reveals a lot about their attitude towards what their marriage should look like. It's a hugely important conversation to have. And for us here today, if you are uncomfortable with this idea of becoming one financially, I really want to ask you, why? What makes you uncomfortable with it? Do you secretly not trust them? Are you wondering if they're going to mishandle or misuse the money in some way? Do you make more? And secretly you feel like you're maybe entitled to a little bit more because you're bringing in a lot more. I understand these thoughts. They make a lot of sense, but you just have to be aware some of those thoughts can be seeds for a house divided. They really can be. Now I have to acknowledge though, because this is not always black and white, there are actually special cases to this you have to consider. And again, I've seen a lot of relationships. I've seen situations where one spouse actually develops a very serious addiction, either to a substance or gambling, and they develop some type of destructive spending habit out of love for them and a fight to even maybe save the marriage and avoid financial destruction. I think there are times when you have to intervene and try to prevent them from harming themselves and your family. Like you may have to take some drastic steps to protect everybody. I've actually seen situations, sometimes couples in a second marriage, particularly if you're older and it's a second marriage, you might have a giant nest egg of money that you have plans for when it comes to your own biological children or what's going to happen after you're gone. And you need to have some serious discussions around what does this look like for us to get married and with all the financial commitments we've already made and have in our mind. So what I'm saying is there's definitely things to wrestle through. But at the end of the day, you need to fight for unity in this. 
you can still be unified. You can still become one even with some of the dynamics you have to navigate. So another thing you have to consider with all this stuff, when you talk about one plan, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So the principle here is, do you have a plan for your money after you're gone? Have you thought seriously about and talked to the people in your life about who's getting it, how much, what causes are maybe going to receive some money? Do you have something like a living trust or a will or anything in place to prevent your money getting stuck in probate for weeks and months and even years and losing a bunch of money? This is stuff you got to wrestle through, everybody. I'm talking nuts and bolts right now. I mentioned this a couple months ago, but I just, I want to make sure I keep challenging people to do this. If you are the primary financial manager in your household, you're in, in the weeds with it, you probably know a lot more about what's happening with the money picture in the family. I would challenge you to make sure if anything were to happen to you, that your spouse is going to be totally fine if you were to get pulled out of the picture. I know this sounds really morbid, but Nicole and I have a if Brian dies document. That's what we call it. And it has every detail Nicole would need in case something were to happen to me. Gives her all the info on the accounts, where to access, how to tap into the life insurance stuff, what to do based on what ages our kids might be and what I would recommend she do with the money. A handful of family members have access to this. I update it once a year, remind her where it's at, and we're good. But there is just a peace knowing that regardless of what may happen in our lives, we got one plan that we are rallied around. And God's going to take care of us because we're really settling into that. But I need to add a side note here. If something does happen to me, and then Nicole pulls in with a brand new Corvette one day at church, I need some people to look into that. Something bad happened to me, all right? You need to do some research, okay? I'm begging you, so keep an eye out for that. So, you really want oneness in the finances? You have to fight for this. It's what God wants for you. And this is especially for anybody in here. If you would admit to a man, I actually don't have a plan. Whether you're married or not, this is for everybody. If you would say, man, I don't really have a plan right now, Brian. I'm kind of just the how much money's in the checking account person or whatever. I don't know what to do about retirement. I don't know what my long-term plan is. I don't know how to say all that stuff. We are so committed to this. We believe in this so much because I know how hard this can be for couples and even just people. I reached out to a handful of the professional financial planners in our church that I know of. These are professionals. They do this for a career. And I asked them, I said, would you be willing to help the people in our church with this? And they all emphatically said, absolutely yes, Brian, every single one. And so this is no strings attached, everybody. This is totally free. We aren't looking for anything from you. Every single one of these financial counselors is offering a free financial consultation session with anybody who would want it in our church. Totally free. All right, can we thank those people real quick? We're so great. Thank you so much. These guys are offering that. So I'm telling you guys, we're not looking for anything out of this. I ain't got time to chase you down and see what your net worth is. I don't care about any of that stuff. But these people... They'll sit down with you. It's all on you. You just text in that number. A form comes. Just your simple contact info. We are going to send you one of their contact infos, and it's all on you. But they will sit down. They can get you on a budget. They can help you figure out how to plan for retirement. They can completely change your financial trajectory through one session. I can promise you that. It can change your life. So anybody in here, if you would benefit from that, please take advantage of it. All right? We'll put that up at the end of the service, too. You need one plan, everybody. You need one plan. But there's one other thing you need. You need to commit to one perspective. One perspective. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, it's interesting. If you do read through the Bible, you see that oftentimes we are described as stewards in the Bible. We're actually temporary managers of things that the owner has entrusted to us. That owner being God himself. 
that we actually answer to him for our temporary management of what he allows us to steward. So this includes our bodies, our time, the life he gives us, and even our financial resources. Now, that might sound obvious for a pastor to say something like that, but that is a hard perspective shift to make in your mind. Because many times for us, we're like, man, well, man, I'm the one working hard during the week. I'm making the sacrifices. I'm putting in the time. This really feels like it's my money, Brian. And I can understand that, all right? I'm working hard too. But Deuteronomy 8.18, again, challenges the perspective. The writer says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You have to understand this. The energy you have, the insights, the education, the opportunities. This writer is saying, this is God's grace in your life. And I'm not discounting your choices and the decisions you've made and the things that have happened, but what we have to recognize that it is truly at the end of the day, God enabling us and providing and making a way for us to have any of the wealth we have. So the challenge is you have to remember it's all God's and he's the one that provides it to you. So, how do you as a couple view money? What is your financial perspective when it comes to your marriage? Is it, well, here's some of mine, here's a little bit of theirs, some of it meets in the middle and we just kind of make it work? Is it, well, it's both our money, we're unified on that? Or are you actually experiencing the true freedom, unity, and power of one perspective, which is, this is actually all God's. And it's by his grace and blessing that we're even able to steward some of it in our own lives. Some of these couples that shared their stories with me, some of them got very real about the journey they've been on. One couple said this, this is their exact quotes. We were in debt up to our eyeballs for the first 10 years of our marriage. We were on the verge of bankruptcy twice and on the verge of divorce several times. We learned some very expensive lessons. <laughs> Sounds like it. Although we called ourselves Christian, God certainly was not first in our lives. Once we sought marital and financial counseling, learned what God says about money, started living by biblical principles, and putting God first in every area of our lives, our situation started to turn around and has only gotten better with every passing year. Today, we are currently debt-free, with the only exception being our mortgage, and we give all glory to God. That's amazing. This couple's been through it. Amazing. They had, though, a perspective shift. Their entire worldview when it came to their finances started to change, and they realized, oh my goodness, this is all God's. He has some principles for us to live by. He has a purpose he wants us to live out, and then they started experiencing some of the true freedom of it. One other couple, they said, the freedom and blessing that we, have seen our that we have seen over our marriage in this has been so rewarding. We still have financial stress at times and things get tight. However, we have such a different outlook, perspective on it and know that God will always provide as we truly have tested him in this. One perspective, everybody, it can make all of the difference. And what really blew my mind, all these different people, Saving, sharing their stories with me. Different stages of life, different income levels, different experiences, all different things. There was actually a very consistent tone in so many of their stories. And it was something along the lines of, we have such a supernatural sense of peace. We have so much confidence. We just know that God is the Lord of everything, even our lives. And he has proven himself through his faithfulness, even in our finances. And so really, everybody, 
You have two perspectives to choose from in this. You've got two. One, this is my money and I'm entrusting it to myself. Or this is God's money and he's entrusting it to me. It's a very, very hard perspective shift to make because I know we'd all want to act like good church people and good Christians, but deep down, this is my struggle too. We're not sure if we can really trust God. We're really not sure. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand and trust him with my salvation, but man, my money, this is how I live, Brian. Very hard perspective shift to make, but there's one thing you absolutely need if you are going to shift this in your heart and experience what God has for you. You need it. And it's actually what we sang about before this message started. We said, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. For you to really get a new perspective in your heart, you have to know to the depths of your soul that there is a God that came to this earth for you and died in your place on the cross and defeated the grave itself, opening the doors for his grace and his forgiveness in your life, that he gave everything for you. You must understand that and believe it to your core if you were ever going to be free, because that's the only way you're gonna be able to step back and say, man, this is the Lord's, everything in it. My very life is his, and I can trust him with it. And if I can trust him with my very life because he gave his for me, I know I can trust him even in this area, that he can set me free, I can experience his blessings, that I can even be one with my spouse in this area and enjoy that. I'm telling you, everybody, when you get a couple sharing that one perspective together, you know what that is? That is a house united. That is a house that will not fall. It will stand through every storm, every battle, every challenge. It will. That is what God wants for you. That's his heart for you. So if you are married here today, again, I just want you to know God's heart. His heart is for you to experience that oneness, the joy of it, the freedom of it, the unbelievable blessing of this covenant relationship. That's what he wants, you to be totally together in the same direction on this. But I know, I know there are many couples in our church who are not experiencing that right now. You feel like you're in a very hopeless situation with your relationship. And it feels like you are so far away from this possibility that you're like, there's no way, Brian, that our relationship could ever get to that point. We can't agree on anything. We are just falling apart financially. I, I just have to encourage you. That was exactly how so many of these couples in our church felt. Hopeless situations, no unity at all, a house that was falling apart, but they just decided, you know what? We're just gonna start taking small steps. We're gonna start working on a plan. We're gonna fight through that. We're gonna start working on our perspective. And they started to see some of the freedom and the blessing and the transformation to where now some of them can stand before you to say, we, we know there is a God who is Lord of all, who paid it all for us and is taking care of us. You need to know God can do this for you. There's nothing he can't do. He can work miracles even in this. So if right now you're at a place in your life, you're not living off a budget, the money's just kind of everywhere, you don't know what you're doing, take a step, start moving in that direction. If you're really struggling to trust God with your finances, you don't have that freedom of knowing there's a God who has your very life in his hands. You need to start moving in that direction. Change your perspective. Take advantage of this financial consulting opportunity. It's totally free, everybody. This is for anybody in our church. Again, you don't have to be married. All you have to do is step out, 
fill out the form, and we just want to help you move. And I'm telling you, that could change your life right there with wherever you're at. So please, please, please take advantage of that. For all of us, though, this is the confidence we have. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing he can't do. He defeated the grave. He can transform your life in this area so you can experience all the blessings of oneness, even financially, the freedom of God's provision, and his very power and grace in your life. Amen. Is that something you'd like to have? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray to God and let's invite him in. Lord, we just give you glory even in this moment. We are so thankful that you have nothing but good desires for us, total oneness in the marriages, even freedom financially, knowing we can trust you. So I pray for all of us, Lord, help all of us just move towards having one plan that's aligned with you and your principles and your purposes in this area. I pray that you would even change our thinking so we can have a unified perspective with how we should view our money and that it really is all yours at the end of the day. It's just a blessing that we get to steward it here in these lives. I want to pray very specifically now, Lord, for the marriages in our church that are really struggling in this area. They're not experiencing a house united. They feel like they're falling apart. Lord, I pray today that you would just give them conviction to start moving in the direction of one plan, one perspective, committed together, and that you would just honor these steps and let them see the power of the progress they can make. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray we would be a church that stewards your resources as well, that we would honor you with what you've entrusted to us. And God, we know there is nothing you can't do. So I pray for miracles in our church. I pray for freedom. I pray for transformation. You can do the impossible, Lord. So I pray we would have so many more stories in our church of people getting free in this area, freedom from debt, freedom from bad financial practices, and just the freedom of knowing there is a God who makes a way. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.